Well, good morning, everybody. I'm not sure how you follow that up, but that was amazing. Can we give God a round of applause one more time? My name's Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It's my honor to be here with you this morning. If this is your first time with us, welcome. I usually say I'll be out in the lobby and I'd love to greet you out there, and I would, but I'm going to abstain from it today because I don't want you to get whatever I've got going on. I caught this week, and I definitely don't want it, whatever you guys have. So, uh... <laughs> I was standing in the back uh, hallway here and just kind of had my head down thinking like, man, this day is rough. And then I looked up and there's Pastor Ricky in his Crocs and swimming suit. (laughs) A good reminder that it can always be worse, right? (laughs) On that note, I'll try to get through this. So we continue our uh, sermon series this, this week, The Forgotten God, with our Spiritual Growth Campaign book. And uh, this week centers on chapter 3, which is uh, Theology of the Holy Spirit 101. And uh, while I can certainly share a lot of the things that the, they share that uh, Francis shares in the book, I think the book just does a really, really good job in uh, addressing most of the areas as we start to think about the basics of the Holy uh, of the Holy Spirit. So rather than just kind of get up here and restate what has already been done, I want to dive a little bit deeper into one of the first things that Francis Chan addresses in the chapter. He writes, uh, perhaps you wonder why I'm talking about the theology of the Holy Spirit in this chapter. Aren't the most important aspects of life what you do and how you live? Does it really matter what you think about something? And so what I want to do today is try to answer two questions. The first one, do I need to think correctly before I act in following the Holy Spirit? And the second question is, how do I know that I'm on the right track when I follow the Holy Spirit? So we'll take these one at a time. And uh, I'm a nerd through and through. And so when I hear something like, you got to think right before you can act, younger me would have jumped right through the page and said, of course you do. Of course you have to do that. You have to think well in order to do well. But as I've gotten a little bit older and studied more, I just think there's way more to it. Because the difference of what we're talking about is summed up in these two kind of ancient Christian words. The first is orthodoxy, and then the other one is orthopraxy. And orthodoxy is right belief, and orthopraxy is right practice. So orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy is how we often think of it. Right belief leads to right practice. That's typically how we think it goes, but actually what a lot of research is showing us is that the opposite can also be true, and oftentimes is true, that that right practice seems to rewire our brains and change the way we think. Doing the thing leads to the right leads to right belief about the thing that we're doing. So in theology or in understanding the Holy Spirit, changing our actions, engaging the Holy Spirit in new ways will lead to creating muscle memory in our brain about how we think about the Holy Spirit. Think about the, think about the habits you have in your life and how easy they are because you've repeated them on a regular basis. I love coffee because every morning I drink a cup of coffee and every other chance I get, I drink a cup of coffee, right? Uh, But 
if you're like me, when New Year's resolution time come, comes around and you start to want to institute a new habit into your life, if you're anything like me, you feel all sorts of resistance because doing something that your brain is not wired for isn't natural. And so it takes time for those things to become like the other habits you have in your life that are just ingrained in you. It takes a little bit of time before they're going to uh, just become second nature to us. And that's the extent of my uh, understanding of neurobiology. And so I'm going to stop talking about science now. And uh, I'm certainly not trying to equate the Holy Spirit to a habit that we can perfect in our life. That isn't what I'm trying to do at all. Instead, I'm really just trying to make this point that as we begin to think about opening ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit and listening to where he might be leading our lives then we have to expect that for at least some period of that time, things won't make sense. There will be resistance to following where the Spirit is leading. You're changing the makeup of your brain to live paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Before you can think correctly about the Spirit, you must begin to act in a way that is in line with those correct thoughts. And though he likely didn't uh, have the scientific understanding that we have today, this seems to kind of be what the Apostle Paul is getting at in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not just your brains. In doing so, it says it will lead to not conforming to the ways or the actions of this world, but instead it will lead to the transformation of your mind. The different actions that you take on, the different ways in which you start to pay attention to the Holy Spirit will be the things that can transform your mind and how you think about God. And so if you can do that, then it says you can know God's good and perfect will. And what a great picture we had this morning. Thank you so much, Becky, for your story and sharing that with us and for the life that uh, you've tried to create for yourself uh, we present our bodies for baptism in order to declare that all we do, all we say, all we think now comes under the rule of God. Our actions will no longer be ours, but will be in line with the Spirit's will for our life. And as we begin to do that work in our lives, we can and will start to renew our minds as well. Good theology about the Holy Spirit is extremely important, absolutely. But don't think for a moment that just because you don't understand the Spirit fully, that you can't start following where He's leading. And so if we start this journey, <clears throat> if we start this journey towards following the Spirit's leading in our life, how can we ensure that we are headed in the right direction? If things are not necessarily going to make sense at first, or if it's going to feel outside of our brain's wiring, what can we do to ensure that we present ourselves to God and the Holy Spirit's leading faithfully in our lives? 
I just have three things I want to share with you, and then uh, I'm going to go rest my voice. Uh, But sometimes uh, the things that I share come from the passage that I've been meditating on or reflecting on, and sometimes things come from my experience. These are just things that come from my experience, and I've I've kind of confirmed through Scripture. But when we talk about the Spirit, there's this kind of this sense that we fall into two different camps. Uh, One is that we're either very skeptical of anything that is anything close to supernatural, Or we dive right in and everything can be traced back to the Spirit. And neither is wrong. And there's plenty of nuance in between. Everyone comes from different places wherever you find yourself. I tend to be more skeptical. Hopefully these guidelines, though, can help you as you engage in following the Holy Spirit. Because here's the one thing that's clear from Francis Chan, from the book, from this series, from the story of Samson that Pastor Ricky read last week, from Scripture itself, the Holy Spirit is alive and active today, and it's our job to pay attention to it. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I think is that we, we must start by creating space for the Spirit to move. When I was growing up, there was not a time that I was, time in the week or season in the year that I was not in church. My family attended church on Sunday. I went to a Christian school from first through 12th grade. I did, I did kids programming and youth group on Sunday at my home church. I did kids programming and youth group at the school on Wednesday nights. I can or could and I can still when I'm healthy recite all the books of the Bible in order in one breath. And that is not impressive. That's super nerdy. Don't ever try it. <laughs> but... Then in the summers, my mom worked at a Christian summer camp, and so most of my days were there. I went to a Christian college. Guess I was destined to work in a church. But, but here's where I'm going with all this. <clears throat> in college in 2013, I had a huge crisis of faith. Like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'm learning things I can no longer overlook, and they're causing me to question all sorts of things that I grew up learning. This, my brain was scrambled eggs around the topic of faith. I was getting depressed because my whole internal faith structure was falling apart. If right thinking leads to right action, I was doomed. But in Genesis 1-1, Scripture says the earth was was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If God can create the world out of that, God can restructure my life with the broken pieces that I brought him. If my thinking correctly about God is what dictates God changing my life, that's not a God worth following. Where there's formless voids and darkness in our life, God's Spirit can do some of his greatest creative and redemptive work in our hearts. Space is required. A time of healing is required to move forward. One of the greatest gifts I was ever given as I look back on this period uh, in my life, uh, 2013, I returned home from college that year, and from eighth grade through the time I graduated college, I spent my summers working on a vegetable farm uh, and in the fields of the market there. And... uh, There's nothing too glorious about spending your days planting 1,500 tomato plants or walking four miles of cornrows, picking ears as fast as you can before the tractor gets too far ahead of you or uh, picking the, dealing with the pain of picking uh, 14,000 strawberry plants worth fruit. 
right? There's nothing too pretty about that. But the silence, the space, the ability to hear God speak was huge. It was exactly what I needed to sort out my thoughts and rebuild my faith on solid ground. But today, we live in the most rapid culture in the world. Instant change, instant gratification, instant answers, instant everything. We move so fast that the Spirit is trying to show us something three miles back that we can't even see anymore. The larger the issue, the larger the change, the more you need to hear from the Spirit, the higher the crisis, the more space that is required. You have to slow your whole body down in order to calm your mind to hear God. If you look at the life of Jesus, he retreats so often to pray. His disciples are like, where on earth is he? The people are looking for him. The disciples finally stumble upon him. They're like, everybody's looking for you. Like the town's ready for another sermon. And he's like, cool, let's go to the next town. Because he's not even tempted to return because he spent so much time with Jesus that he knows, or with God, that he knows where he's supposed to go next. Something similar happened to me recently. I was a youth director for about eight years. That's how I started here at this church. And uh, I've started to feel called to something more. And I can resist that, sure. Or I can jump in head first without a second thought. But neither of those is faithful. Those are both reckless. It took months of conversations and a week-long retreat with my wife and Zoom calls with my spiritual director till I finally felt confident that God was indeed calling me to be a pastor. The Spirit is speaking and will speak, but if we can't create enough uninterrupted space in our calendar and physically move ourselves to a place of quiet to do so, how will we hear Secondly, as we begin to try to live by the Spirit and think well about what He has for our lives, Jesus says, you will know a tree by its fruit. And in Galatians 5, Paul tells us what it looks like to be a person who lives by the Spirit and not by the flesh. In verse 13, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, if you want to know if the direction you feel called is the right one, if you want to know if the Spirit is the one leading you, you will know a tree by its fruit. Does it lead you deeper into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Does this direction bring me deeper into love of God and love of neighbor? Do I have joy? Does this create joy for other people? Can I be patient waiting for God to stir the hearts of others no matter how much I want something and I want it now? Personally, I'm trying to grow in goodness and gentleness this year because contrary to popular belief, pastor's thoughts aren't all good and aren't all gentle at times. (laughs) 
But if it's truly from God, that was a cool whistle. (laughs) If it's truly from God, if you are skeptical, run it through this list of virtues. If you just want to run with something, believing that it's God's spirit without checking it first, it's unwise to do so. Make sure it checks these boxes. Will following these ideas lead to the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of others? This is tough because oftentimes you'll look weird to other people. They'll expect you to toe a line and you kind of have to refuse because the fruit of the spirit of love should reflect the love like we see in the parable of the prodigal son, not whatever we've replaced it with in our modern, modern culture. Peace means you have to be willing to work with two competing enemies to settle them and work towards harmony. Patience flies in the face of everything in our world right now. But to follow the Spirit, you must be willing to bear the fruits of the Spirit. And the last thing, if you truly want to follow the Spirit's leading and you want to ensure that as you begin this journey, you listen well, you have to find trusted guides. You have to find people to journey with. Greg, Mike, Molly, Pete, Caroline, Mary, John, Mark, Tyler, Zeke, Brian, Eugene, Eric, Jose, Lillian, a dear friend, Jeremy, and my lovely wife, Gina. These are all people who I've trusted along my journey to get me where I am today. These are all people who can look at, I can look at their lives and see the fruits of the Spirit in the work that they do and the ways that they carry themselves. We were never meant to do this alone. Heaven will not be some awkward one-on-one date with God. It's a banquet feast with all the saints and sinners who journeyed towards God. Why on earth would we do this by ourselves? Many of the decisions I've made, many of the ways I've seen the Spirit moving and followed its leading is because I've confirmed it through conversations and relationship with these people who I just listed. I'm not a product of perfectly following the Holy Spirit. Rather, I've learned that there's much wisdom in the community of people around us wrestling faithfully with what God's Spirit is trying to teach us. And today we have the privilege of welcoming new members into our community uh, of faith, and they're ready to join us as we together follow where the Spirit is leading this church. Not only are they here to learn from you where the Spirit has called you, but they're also here to share where the Spirit is leading them as well. And as we journey together, as we discern where God wants us to go as a church moving forward. So as we do so, may we present our bodies as living sacrifices before the, the Spirit, that our minds may be renewed. That we may not only redeem our actions, but our minds as well. That we may, be, we may be careful to discern the Spirit's leading in our life by creating space for Him to speak. Ensuring that the fruit of what we feel called to is in line with what the, Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. And may we find trusted guides along the way to help us journey well. Join me in prayer. And as we do so, would those who are going to be received in membership today, would you start to make your way to the stage? Gracious God, we come before you this morning, a people who are grateful, 
grateful for the ways in which your spirit has led us and grateful for the ways in which your spirit will continue to lead us moving forward. Lord, if we've missed you on our journey, if you tried to show us something and we just walked right past, would you reveal yourself to us again? Would you show us once again through your love and through your mercy what it is that you want us to do? And Lord, as we start to get more in tune with feeling out where you are leading us by our actions, would you also transform and renew our minds that we may look more and more like your son. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.